After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday. Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Zachar. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good job is good Shabbos. Oh, good job is good job is good job. Oh, 
this next song is a great combination made non-stop by the genius Srolam. Oi pure moi 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 pure Yes we celebrate the on the pure Yes, we celebrate And it's a mitzvah to drink a little wine Or more than a little wine And to see on the streets If you should put it Someone likes to drink a glass of wine dry. A vice does not touch. Someone likes it better if it's vodka or scotch. I don't really care what it is. The ikir you get a drink, that's his his. Purim we celebrate. Mishan Ehmizu de Marbim Basimcha. I, I can't wait oh, Wherever you go on Purim You see the happiness on their face Oh, I would make Purim more often during the year More such happy days So sing along with me the Yom Tev Purim, we will see. Who knows? In Yerushalayim, may it be. When we will sing together. You. Hi, 
Private Goldberg reporting, sir. Yes, Private. What is it? Well, Major, it's like this. I heard you needed a person for a mission impossible, and here I am. Well, good boy, Goldberg. This is a dangerous and top-secret assignment. Now, first, you'll take a jet. You'll fly at 30,000 feet, and then you'll parachute out over enemy territory. I'll take a jet, and I'll fly it at 30,000 feet, and I'll parachute out. Major... Don't worry about a thing. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. Hmm, well, I suppose we can get you there by boat. Now, when you get to the enemy campsite, you'll steal one of their camels and ride due east 41 miles to the bridge. Let us review. <laughs> when I get to the enemy campsite, I'll steal a camel and ride him due east 41 miles to the bridge... Major, don't worry about a thing. It'll never take place. I'm frightened of animals. All right, Goldberg. Uh, you'll walk to the bridge. Now, when you get there, you'll take the hundred pounds of high-explosive TNT, you'll tie it on your back, then you'll tie yourself to one of the main beams under the bridge, and when the enemy tanks are crossing, you'll blow up the bridge. Aha! Now, that's a plan. 
tied a hundred pounds of TNT on my back. Then I'll tie myself to the bridge. And when the tanks come, boom! Don't you worry, Major. And I'm not going to worry either. Because I'm not going to do it. From the boom alone, I get such a migraine. Private... Private, I, I just don't understand you. You're afraid to fly, you're frightened of animals, you're terrified of high explosives. Why did you come in here in response to my request for a volunteer? Major, I came to tell you that on me you shouldn't depend. J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning. <laughs> on this February the 27th, day 8 in the month of Adar. Good morning, everybody. How are you? How's everyone doing on this Erev Shabbos? Eighth day of Adar, the, uh, today's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tetzave, Erev Shabbos Zohar. Uh, we see the way the enemy is destroying so much. Uh, the commitment that the enemy has against the Jewish people, the commitment that the enemy has against all free people, the commitment the enemy has against other religions. We see what's happening, how fitting that we speak about it on this Erev Shabbos Zohar, when we remember Amalek and when we are obligated on this Shabbos to remember Amalek. Candle lighting time at 525 on this Erev Shabbos, 525 official candle lighting time. Wednesday is Tanis Esther, Thursday is Purim, Friday is Shushan Purim. We have an amazing week coming up next week here and everywhere. Uh, 21 degrees outside with 13 the wind chill. It's cold, 55% humidity, winds east at 6. We've got partly cloudy weather with a high of 32. Clear skies tonight with a low of 11. Gosh. Tomorrow, sunny weather and a high temperature of 32 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 67. Apparently in Tel Aviv, it got so hot today, they actually stopped the Tel Aviv Marathon. 78 in Tel Aviv. 75 in Haifa and 88 degrees in a lot. That's pretty amazing. I saw that on the Jerusalem Post. They actually stopped the uh, Tel Aviv Marathon because it was <laughs> it was too hot. We can really relate to that, right? It was so hot outside they had to stop the uh, the marathon. It's pretty amazing. Right now we're at 21. It's Jersey City, and uh, this is JM in the AM. 6:34, 26 minutes before seven o'clock. Malcolm Honeline just over an hour from now. We'll do our weekly update, go through the events of this week. And boy, it's been some week. There is a lot to talk about, that's for sure. Uh, all through the day, amazing programming on our stream at jmtheam.org. Uh, great programming tomorrow night. Wonderful programming on Sunday, including JM Sunday with Matis. He has a great interview scheduled for Sunday. Just a whole bunch of great stuff always available to you on the Nahum Siegel Network, uh, which we call, uh, which is what we call our JM and the AM. Dot org live stream. Uh, so make sure to just be tuned in at all times. Great Erev Shabbos music mix later today, starting at 10 a.m. after Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. So there's a lot going on, a lot happening, and plenty for you to enjoy on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. This is brand new from Simcha Sachayim.
fill up these bottles are back. Let's take it back to last beat 'em and start it from scratch. I'm about to crack open a bottle. Everybody get back. It's not a joke. I broke my tinnitus on some wine and some jack. Just like we did with that Molly, we're gonna kick it. You will a mask is off. It's what you're missing. Rolling only in limos, so no one's hitching. Who's on the house all day like a roofer digging? No pun intended. These hamantash and a wicked. Nothing is hard with the strap. What's that I'm digging? Tell the driver hit up 14th Street. Runs out the door, but it's worth it. He gives a hundred or more. Watch out for the guy already crying on the floor. It's been an hour, only 23 more up. Sparkle vest, single cap, looking all fast, the stickle face paint. Might show up with a mask that made the place faint. He messed up on his goatee, at least he got the shaved face. We're knocking on your front porch, ring, ring. Most of us hit the costume, I was thinking the same thing. Hope that doesn't bust the guns along, what? Bang, bang. Cause homies jumping up in the tree, you know? Hey, gang. Niggas had a cow, the cops are coming around. 2 a.m. and the band is playing loud. So everything but the volume's going down. The dance is looking up below the cloud. You got a cop so let's put your not a cop along and rock along to the song. Cause I have a wish, let me see me, get the eye out. Nah, no, 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 no. All you need, sounds creepy, guys be there. that we can't say Megillas Esther because it's the name from a ladies so we'll just say Megillas This period I'm going to dress up like Lippe I'm going to wear my regular clothing with the keeper through and by the way I forgot to tell you on period I give you the money without a shoe 
רבה רבה רבה, הרי אני מקשר את עצמי. 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 מקשר נפשי רוחי ונשמעתי ונשמעת אדוני מורי ורבי רבה 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 הרני מקשר את עצמי רבה 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 הרני מקשר את עצמי אוי רבה 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 הרני מקשר את עצמי רבה 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 הרני מקשר את עצמי מקשר נפשי רוחי ונשמעתי ונשמעת אדוני מורי ורבי אם שאר הצדיקים והאבות הקדושים הצדקניות לאימת הקדושות. רבה רבה רבה, הרני מקשר את עצמי. רבה רבה רבה, הרני מקשר את עצמי. רבה רבה רבה, הרני מקשר את עצמי. רבה רבה רבה. הרני מקשר את עצמי, רבה רבה, הרני מקשר את עצמי. I'm 
completes our tour of the camp. And if you like, I'll walk you back to the headquarters building. Oh, yes. Thank you, General Berkowitz. You know, it certainly has been a very fulfilling experience here visiting with your troops. I'm, I'm certain my readers will be as impressed as I am with the discipline and precision with which this camp is run, especially since it's an army made up basically of civilians. Thank you, Mr. Campbell. It's always a pleasure showing a member of the press around. Yeah, well, oh, General, uh, excuse me, I, I guess you didn't notice that guard. The, the private we just walked past didn't salute you. He didn't what? He didn't salute me? <laughs> no, General, he, he didn't. Well, we'll see about that. Soldier, is it true that when I just passed you that you didn't salute me? That's right, I didn't salute you. What's the matter, Mendel? You're mad at me. <laughs> J.M. and the A.M. One of our great Adar comedy segments. Three minutes before 7 o'clock, it's a J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning. As I said, uh, well, first let's review the music, then I'll go through the schedule for the weekend. Uh, the, um, where is our, where, where is our, where's our music? Where's our list? Rebbe Rebbe done by Chaim Yisrael, Adlo Yada, the A.K.A. Pella song in honor of Purim 5775. The medley from Simchas HaChaim that's brand new, Paul's in before that with Misha Nichnas Adar. It's Erev Shabbos Zachar, that's right. A Shabbos to remember, a Shabbos to remember a lot of things, especially how much the enemy wants to destroy us, and now we see others as well. Candle lighting at 525 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tetzaveh. Wednesday, Tanis Esther, the fast of Esther. Thursday is Purim, looking forward. Friday is Shushan Purim, 21 degrees, 13 the wind chill. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 32. Amazing programming on our stream all through the weekend. First of all, don't forget today, at 9 o'clock this morning, you'll enjoy a, uh, a really incredible edition, because every edition is incredible. An incredible edition of uh, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. Uh, this week, her guests include Daniel Meyer, Executive Director of the International Young Israel Movement in Israel, who will share how we could send Mishloach Manas to Chayalim in Israel, and also to family and friends. Plus, cookbook author Aviva Kanoff wrote Gluten-Free Around the World. She'll be a guest. And cupcake baker Sarah Goldstein is sharing baking secrets. That is all between uh, 9 and 10 this morning on our stream at jmtheam.org. Right after that, Ketem presents an incredible and an unbelievable 
Erev Shabbos Zachar music mix from 10 a.m. all the way until candle lighting time. Make sure to be tuned in as, um, as you will be, uh, inspired on this Erev Shabbos Zachar by our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. Perfect for this time of year as well, by the way, with that Adar theme to it. So that's happening all day long on our stream at jmnam.org. Just keep it on in the background or on your phone or uh, in your car, whatever the case may be. Tomorrow night, we have Saturday Night Seagull at 9. And our uh, our brand new programming continues on Saturday night with um, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson and Rabbi David Lichtenstein. That's happening uh, Saturday night. You can stay up to date with our schedule by going to the Facebook update page, Nachum Siegel Network, and making sure to like the page. And then Sunday morning, Matis has announced that he will be speaking with Dr. Robert Kuhl, Coin Department of the Israel Antiquities Department. They'll discuss the uh, the Israel Anti- yeah, Antiquities Department. He'll discuss the recent discovery of the largest cache of coins ever discovered in Israel, 2,000 coins dating back 1,000 years. That's happening with Matis. He'll be on between 7 and 9 a.m. on Sunday. And then, of course, court report as the basketball and hockey season for the Yeshiva League really heats up. Court report will be on at 7 p.m. Sunday night with Elliot Weiselberg. Make sure to be tuned in. All available on jamnam.org on the NSN app. And we welcome those comments on the NSN app for Android and iPhone. Make sure to install the Nahum Siegel Network app, and then you can comment away during any of our programming. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Galit Sal in the background, news from Israel is coming up. We, encourage, we thank everybody who's already responded to our 2015 fundraising marathon letter. Thank you. A lot of people responded already, and we thank you for that. You can make your pledge now by going to jmnam.org and clicking on the pledge link. And, of course, our big fundraiser officially kicks off on the 9th of March at 6 a.m. right here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos Zohar is next. Bokerto from JMNM. Galitzal, Asha Stein, Kan Shubel Karmi Mansur, Imashakoreachshav. עלה לשלושה מספר ארצים שנפגעו קשה במרתון תל אביב. מבית החולים איכילוב כתבתנו יערה שפירה. שני ארצים בשנות ה-20 וה-30 לחייהם איבדו את הכרתם עקב מכת חום והובהלו לאיכילוב במצב קשה. אדם נוסף נמצא בסוף המרוץ כשהכרתו מעורפלת ופונה לבית החולים בילינסון, גם הוא במצב קשה. פרט אליהם טופלו עוד 88 ממשתתפי המרוץ, ארבעה מהם במצב בינוני והיתר במצב קל. משרד הבריאות תבדוק את מקרי הפגיעות הקשות. מעדכנת שכל הכבישים שנחסמו בתל אביב בעקבות המרתון נפתחו שוב לתנועה. ראש הממשלה נתניהו מבטיח שסעיף הסנקציות הפליליות יוסר מחוק הגיוס. הנה קטע מדבריו ברעיון לתחנת קול ברמה. מציאות שתיארת נכפתה עליי, בניגוד מוחלט לדעתי החל מהרגע הראשון. אני נגד החרמה של ציבורים שלמים במדינת ישראל. כל ה... 
עניין של הסנקציות הפליליות שנכפו גם הם כחלק מאותה קואליציה. זה דבר שצריך להסיר אותה. אני אמרתי את זה בצורה הכי ברורה, ואני מנצל את ההזדמנות להגיד את זה פעם נוספת. יהודי לא צריך ללכת לבית סוהר על לימוד תורה בשום מקום בעולם, בוודאי לא במדינתו. שר החוץ של בריטניה, פיליפ המונד, בהתייחסות ראשונה לחשיפת זהותו של עורף הראשים בדאעש, ג'ון הג'יהאדיסט. There is an ongoing police investigation into the murder of British and American uh, and Japanese hostages in uh, Syria. Uh, we don't comment on uh, police investigations and we do not believe it is helpful for others to speculate on those police investigations. המשטרה מנהלת חקירה מתמשכת על מותם של בני ערובה בריטים, יפנים ואמריקנים בסוריה, אמר המונד והוסיף, אנו לא מתייחסים לחקירות בזמן שהן מתנהלות ומאמינים שספקולציות בנושא לא מסייעות. התחזית היום כאמור חם מהרגיל עד שרבי, מחר התקררות ניכרת ולסיום שערה ברשת בעקבות שמלה שמחליפה צבעים. כתבתנו עפרי אשל. מדוע חלק מהגולשים רואים שמלה שחורה עם פסים כחולים ואחרים לבנה עם פסי זהב? השמלה כפי שהיא מכונה כעת ברשתות החברתיות הולידה שלל תיאוריות בניסיון להסביר את התופעה אחת המובילות היא שבמהלך השנים יכולת העין לראות את הצבע הכחול נשחקת צבעות נוספות מתייחסות לזווית הצילום והתאורה ולמרות שאין בסיס נתונים מוצק, נדמה שרוב הגולשים רואים שמלה לבנה, כמו למשל קים קרדשיאן, בקבוצה הנגדית, טיילור סוויפט וג'סטין ביבר. סיבה נוספת, פוטושופ. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר בצוות שרון יעקובוביץ' ואבי כהן.
Kalmin, es macht nicht uns. This old tune from somewhere we see. I am, I am, I in the AM. They call that Shvashkinaz from the uh, Journeys album entitled Journeys Volume Number 4 here 
at JM in the AM. 11 minutes after 7 o'clock, news from Israel before that. Weekly update about a half hour from now. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us. The White House has announced that they're sending high-level representatives to APAC, and they include uh, National Security Advisor Susan Rice and U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Samantha Power. <laughs> I laugh only because of the way that people have been reacting to Susan Rice's comments recently. So that's who's going to APAC, apparently. Uh, we'll discuss that, and I'm sure many other things with Malcolm Honeline. Weekly update is coming up. I've started a hashtag, and I hope everybody out there uh, supports this. Show the speech. Hashtag show the speech. I think the least we can do in our uh, schools, in our yeshivot, and all the yeshivas out there, especially as so many are making an issue of boycotting Bibi Netanyahu's speech to the joint session of Congress, I think the least we could do is take that uh, half hour, whatever amount of time it is, out of our day on Tuesday and show the speech. Let our kids of all ages, the young ones, the high schoolers, let them see and hear what Bibi Netanyahu has to say. Let them let them decide about how important it is to address Congress on this issue at this time. The uh, the movement to boycott the speech has been an active one, as we know, not just among uh, uh, Washington politicos, but also among members of our own people. So I think it's a good idea to spread the word to show the speech, and we have we have thank God. In our schools, uh, in the, in our community, we have uh, wonderful extracurricular activities and a lot of things we do, a uh, time that we set aside for, for things outside the classroom, which is wonderful. And uh, I think this is worthwhile to put on that list. Let us show the speech everywhere this coming Tuesday. Show the speech if you're a school out there, a principal, a faculty member, if you're a student, insist that your school show the speech and let everyone see and hear what Bibi Netanyahu has to say live, on the spot, as it's happening. JM in the AM at 14 minutes after 7 o'clock. It's the Maccabees with a Purim song at JM in the AM. So grand, Shushan is the place where it all began, the hidden miracle. One man, second in command, slay all the Jews with his wicked plan, a scheme so miserable. He chose a day for the disaster. It's ironic what came after. He didn't know a girl named Esther would turn it upside down. From behind the scenes, she wore the royal crown. Three days 
just break We left her with her life, went to save the day She took her mind down The streets were filled with celebration Everyone ate her mentation Jubilation for the nation Thank you. 
Corporal Goldstein, you're two hours late. Two hours. You better have a good excuse. Uh, well, sir, I was I was sleeping in the barracks when I was awakened by this mysterious noise. Huh? So I crept out. I find 4,000 of the enemy surrounding the camp. I see. So I snug up behind them, and I gave them my hands up. Gung-ho Goldstein. Yes. <laughs> so I tied them all up, and I marched them 50 miles down the road to the PW camp. And then what? And then I went back, and I drove the 42 tanks they had with them to the motor port, and I repainted them. Repainted them? Yes. Blue and white. Then I went back to the barracks and took a nice warm bath, and here I am. Uh-huh. And that took you a whole two hours? (laughs) 
7.30 in the morning on a Friday. It's JM in the AM. Thanks for joining us on this Erev Shabbos Zohar. We are, we're looking for that Mordechai Ben David song, uh, Timcha Zecher Amalek. I don't know why we can't find it in our collection right now. Uh, it's been requested multiple times this morning, and we're going to try to dig it up and uh, and present it at some point between now and 9 o'clock. Listener Shaney says, good Shabbos from sunny 72 degrees in the old city of Jerusalem. Oh, boy. That's the way to spend this Shabbos Zucker in 72 degrees in Israel. The Tel Aviv Marathon took place. They had to stop it. It was so hot. It was so hot or so warm, I should say, more accurately. In Israel today, they had to stop a Tel Aviv Marathon. Too many injuries, too many people dropping out. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I think they do it this time of year just to make sure it's not too hot, and look what ended up happening. Tanis Esther is Wednesday, Thursday's Purim, Friday is Shushan Purim. It's going to be a big week coming up. Malcolm Holmline, 10 minutes from now, with our weekly update. It's Erev Shabbos Zohar on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Titzaveh, candlelighting at 525 on this Erev Shabbos. 525. Uh, some of the music we've been playing for you, that was uh, Chai, done by the Chevra. Uh, before that, the Kinderlach. The Kinderlach with um, the song Bamarom. There we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Maccabees had that Purim song, and you heard Ohad in there with Melech Malcheyam Lachim from the live chuppah here at JM in the AM. As we said, it's going to be a weekly update with plenty to talk about. We are encouraging every school, elementary school, high school, and otherwise, every yeshiva, every day school, every high school, we are encouraging everybody to show the speech this coming Tuesday. We have seen the effort to boycott Prime Minister Netanyahu's speech in Washington. We've seen the effort in our own community, among our own people, to call for a boycott as well and call for Bibi to cancel the speech. Let us show support for the Prime Minister of Israel and learn his important words about the situation in this world of ours right now by showing the speech. We've just started a hashtag, Twitter and Facebook, assuming I know what I'm doing, it's already going around. It's already gone viral. <laughs> I'm just making that assumption. But I am asking everybody to retweet our tweets about showing the speech and to comment on our Facebook post about showing the speech. Hashtag show the speech. Let everybody in our community make sure to stop at 11 a.m. this coming Tuesday morning to um, hear what Prime Minister Netanyahu has to say to the joint session of Congress. Obviously, if you can't, then you know, you'll know you see it at some point that day, obviously. But I want to emphasize the importance, especially for our kids, of supporting the Prime Minister's words by showing the speech and doing so live at 11 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Tuesday. So show the speech. We have, thank God, so many extracurricular activities that we take time out from during a school day uh, in order to provide for our children. Thank God. A lot of wonderful things go on. This should be one of them. This should be This should be one of the things we do. This should be one of the uh, efforts we make to um, remind our children how important it is, the message that the Prime Minister is going to be giving the world this coming Tuesday. All right? Just show the speech and um, retweet 
comment, etc. That hashtag everywhere. Ari Goldwag next. It's JM in the AM.
the message. That's the message. Kulam Balevechad. An important message for this Erev Shabbos Zohar. An Erev Shabbos Zohar which is unique. Usually on Erev Shabbos Zohar we're focusing on how the enemy wants to destroy us. I think now the uniqueness of 2015 is we see how the enemy wants to destroy everybody basically. And even though now we have so many Allied with us doesn't seem to make a difference. The world still doesn't react. Anyway, some of this might come up in our conversation with Malcolm Homeline. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Tetzava, Erev Shabbos Zacher. Candle lighting at 525. Wednesday is Tanis Esther. Thursday, of course, the holiday of Purim. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be back from New York. I appreciate that. Um, by the way, speaking of being back, did you hear about the Tel Aviv Marathon today? It was so hot in Israel. Unfortunately, ninety people have been uh, were, were hurt. Unbelievable! That they, they had to they had to cancel the bulk of the race because it was too hot in Israel today. And of course, I'm not it reached uh, twenty one degrees. Yeah, I'm not laughing about those who are injured or or are not feeling well, but it is pretty amazing that. Uh, that the Tel Aviv Marathon is stopped because of hot weather, something that we cannot relate to in this area, Mr. Homeline. Absolutely. <laughs> what was it like coming back to the third? What was it like coming back to the thirteen degree wind chills? What was that like for you stepping off the plane? I'd like to know. Well, there's always the culture shock, but the weather shock this time was much worse. You could say that again. By the way, be proud of me. I started a hashtag. The hashtag is show the speech. On Twitter and Facebook, we're trying to encourage everybody to show the speech. Our schools, our yeshivas, even the most prominent of yeshivas, our high schools, our day schools, we do find the time, rightfully so, for extracurricular activities, uh, to uh, leave the classroom for whatever reason, for informal educational aspects, and that's very important and to be admired. 
I believe, I say, one of those things that is extremely important to do for our kids is to show BB's speech, the Prime Minister's speech, 11 a.m. it's scheduled for, live this coming Tuesday. Let's show our children how important it is to hear the message. As so many are boycotting the speech and making an issue of boycotting the speech, I think it's important that we show support for the speech. What do you think of our show the speech hashtag? Well, I'm certainly in favor. I think it's a great idea. I, I don't agree that so many are boycotting. Um, right now, the number is, I think, 33 in the House and four in the Senate, including a Jewish member, Schatz from uh, from Alaska, and uh, surprisingly, Dick Durbin. And Jen, oh, you're talking about the Senate Jews, right? Right. Yeah. And the uh, and in the House, uh, 33, but that is going to decrease, I believe, that some of those who, who may have indicated they won't come may yet come, but you know, we have to remember this is less than 10%. Talking about a little over 5%. There are 535 members in the House and the Senate, and people focus on a small group that has announced. But if you go back and check any speech, Bibi's last speech, any uh, speech in the Senate, you will find that far more than 10% of them don't show up to a joint session. And uh, in fact, I think the the attendance will be strong. And the, um, I mean, there are people who are upset and who are angry about it, et cetera. Some who want to exploit it, and some of those who won't come are, are, are people who have traditionally not been supportive of Israel. Some members of the House, including some Jews like Jan Schakowsky of Illinois, are uh, boycotting. Uh, I would guess we'd have to assume they're in very safe districts for the next time that Election Day rolls around. Well, nobody's ever in a really safe district if you, uh, you know, and the voters get active and they don't approve of what uh, their representatives doing. And the fact that some Brooklyn representatives or Manhattan representatives uh, have indicated that they won't go, and I hope that they will hear um, very clear messages from those who feel that they should go because they're hearing, hearing from those who think they shouldn't go. How disappointed are you in Hasidic communities encouraging their congressmen not to go? I don't think they understand the consequence. What we're not talking about here is a popularity contest for, for Netanyahu or his election. You know, uh, one can disagree, disagree with the process, but it's an irrelevancy now. Now you're dealing with the fact that he's coming, and he's not dealing with, quote, Zionism. He's dealing with the future the lo- of our lives as Americans, as Israelis, as, as Jews, as citizens of the world. This is the, the existential danger. And all other issues right now are relevant that we have to show a united front. We have to get back to the U.S.-Israel, the focus on what, what they have in common, all the things they're doing together, and, and stop those who are exploiting some of the outrageous comments made even this week. And those who, who are so narrow-minded and short-sighted to urge congressmen not to go when you're talking about a, a situation in which you a government that threatens to destroy the Jewish people. It's not just Israel. And, and says it. And, and are doing it. Look what they're doing all over. How many Christians they're massacring through directly and through their subsidiaries. Yep. And if they are so short-sighted not to understand that if we don't stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, think of what they could do. They, they've captured four, maybe even five Arab capitals already. And the the, uh, the the this is without nuclear weapons. They think if they had just the potential, if they would be creating a threshold nuclear state, 
yeah. what this will, how this will change things and how much worse. And they are reading every message. They are reading the divisions, and this is why I think it's, it's such a shame that it's counterproductive, because on these issues, we've got to have a united front. How disappointed are you in the Black Caucus and the Congress? Well, they, I think it was, a, it was a mistake. I am disappointed, but individual members, I saw Hakeem Jeffries yesterday announced that he's going. I hope that others will, and that members will respectfully uh, petition their Congress people and urge them now that, that it's taking place to, to attend and to, you know, treat him as you would any other leader. Hear what he has to say. If you don't agree with this message, you can say so. But at least give him not just the courtesy, but when, if, if this was 1938 and somebody had a chance to go before the Congress of the United States to warn about the dangers in Europe, not just to Jews, but, to, but certainly if they were Jews, would these same Hasidic groups, would these others petition our congressman, don't go and don't hear the message? And, and the same thing for, for the disappointment regarding uh, any element of Congress that in an organized way, people have a right not to go. I, I understand it. But I think that, that to have it as a block move, which is obviously not holding. Show the speech. We got to encourage people to support the prime minister and to uh, anti-boycott the boycott by showing the speech live and encouraging our youth to listen to the message and understand how important this speech is and how important the message is that the prime minister is going to be delivering this coming Tuesday right now scheduled for 11 a.m. We're encouraging everybody today. It's easy technologically to show the speech and to gather around the students no matter what is scheduled at that time during your school day. I had an epiphany this morning, by the way. Uh, as I'm reading it, about 4.30 this morning, the top story in this morning's New York Times, it says the reports are like something out of a distant era of ancient conquest. Entire villages emptied, with hundreds taken prisoner, others kept a slave, the destruction of irreplaceable works of art, a tax on religious minorities payable in gold. Could you imagine that Genghis Khan is in the second paragraph of the top story in today's New York Times? Because that's what they're comparing these Rampages to and what the assailants are doing, uh, it, it representing IS. And I said to myself on this Erev Shabbos Zachar, Malcolm, you know, we, we understood through history that it was the Jews who were always the target. And unfortunately, the world in many situations stood by, and we know all that. But now, we, we have allies. We have other ethnic groups. We have other religions. We have large groups of people that are the target of these madmen. And nonetheless, nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to react to this unbelievable story out of Iraq yesterday. Okay, so there are three things you raised. One is that people understand in, in two days of fighting, three days of fighting, ISIS took over ten villages in Syria and captured the Christian community. They took 221 hostages. We know what they do to their hostages especially Christian hostage, hostages, but also even uh, Muslims with whom they disagree, like in al-Baghdadi, where they also paraded them through the streets in cages. And, the, uh, and this is going on, not just in, in Iraq, in Syria, in, all over the Middle East, where you see the growth of, these, of the movement, IS presence now in Sinai, supposedly, in, in Lebanon, those disputed, in, in Libya, I mean, but no dispute about, the, about their activities in uh, in the north uh, near Israel's border, even though they're not the, the major threat of the major movement that's taking place there, but you can have 221 Christians taken. They're destroying the Mosul Library with the most important historic artifacts. You, all of these blatant acts of violation of rights, and yet 
Do you hear the criticism? Do you hear the demonstration? Do you see? Look what Turkey becomes a staging ground now yep. for attacks. The Hamas moves its leadership there. They have a training camps there, Hamas, where they're recruiting college students and students from all uh, from the Arab countries who are studying in various universities to train them to go into the, and then, then they transfer them to Syria for further training and into the West Bank uh, in order to carry out terrorist attacks. No condemnation. Turkey can day after day after day work against America, call for the destruction of Israel, and, and a member of NATO, and, and no consequence. And I want to add to your earlier point, show it, absolutely. Have, have, make this the facility available so that everybody should be able to hear the speech and discuss it. But also, those who live in the Washington area, go to Congress. Stand outside. If you can't get tickets, and I will tell you, members of Congress told me this is the hottest ticket they have ever seen. Some who have been there 20 years and 30 years told me they never saw such demand. But I understand people will not get tickets, but you can go there, stand outside, show support, and talk to the press because the critics will be there. Is there an official rally in support of the prime minister in Washington that day? There is. Uh, there are a lot of people who I know are going. There's not an official. We don't have permits and uh, insurance and other things for uh, rallies, but people can gather all around Congress and make their voices heard. And they can hold signs, etc. They can do whatever they want if the police don't like it, so they'll take put the signs down. Uh, by the way, some of the artifacts that you alluded to are est- the artifacts, the statues, the sides of buildings are estimated to be, some of them are estimated to be 2,700 years old. Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, you would think that there would be more outrage. You would, And again, that's the irony of this whole thing. I read this and, and see what's going on, and it's not just Jews, and it's not just small ethnic groups. It's not just add-ons that we saw during World War II when Nazis didn't like certain groups, and they decided, you know what, we'll do to them what we wanted to do to Jews as well. These are large religious groups with hundreds of millions of people around the world, and there's no reaction. And the the thing is, the difference when the Nazis, at least in most cases, try to conceal the true nature of what they were doing. Right! They advertised it. Right! They challenged the world about these things. And yet, the world is, is absolutely silent, except when it comes to uh, to Israel. And, and, and you get an ICC. How come they're not all of them brought to an international criminal court? Right! How come Buenos Aires, Argentina, where they just squashed the charge against the the president, you know, the investigation. And that should go to the International Criminal Court because it's a country that proved that it's incapable of carrying out the investigation in, uh, in a legitimate way. Israel, which which goes so far in, in investigating and acting against any soldier that may have, in a wartime situation, uh, acted in a, in a way that they didn't don't approve. And yet, and yet we don't see in any of these instances, and I can give you dozens of it, of, of what is happening around the world now, the the situation in, in Europe, the situation in Iran, but in every Arab country, and we're seeing them, they're coming to us, the Arabs, and pleading for help. If you think we're apoplectic about Iran, they are much more so, because they see a, a much more immediate uh, danger. When Libyan uh, militias captured now chemical weapons depots that were left by Gaddafi, why isn't there a worldwide mobilization to say we're going to destroy them before they, they end up killing people, innocents, in, in Egypt, in Israel, in, in the United States, anywhere?
Unbelievable. From this morning's report, the militants have prosecuted a relentless campaign in Iraq and Syria against what have historically been religiously and ethnically diverse areas with traces of civilizations dating to ancient Mesopotamia. The latest to face the militants' onslaught are the Assyrian Christians of northeastern Syria, one of the world's oldest Christian communities, some speaking a modern version of Aramaic, the language of Jesus, it says here. Assyrian leaders have counted 287 people taken captive, including 30 children and several dozen women, along with civilian men and fighters from Christian militias. This according to an Assyrian political activist who had just toured the area in the vicinity of the Syrian city of Kamishli. 30 villages had been emptied, he said. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web at jmtheam.org. And I know that this sometimes might put you in an uncomfortable position and we don't want to certainly publicly, uh, um, uh, say negative things about the President of the United States, but sometimes certain things need to be said. There's a leadership void that seems to be out there, and a reaction from Washington that is necessary and that's desperately needed in this case, and it doesn't seem to be there. Uh, what is it? Well, I, I, know we're, I know Washington is focused on BB, and BB's causing a lot of problems in Washington this week, but why is there no stronger reaction from Washington to everything happening in Iraq and Syria? Well, we have had a confused policy, and, and I think there was one very interesting development to, to answer your question, and that is the, the former ambassador to Syria, Robert Ford, um, yesterday uh, issued a call in which he said that his previous positions were wrong, where he had asked for weapons to the rebels. And he says there that our involvement, when we get involved, we don't have a clear objective and he said the, the, the U.S. approach, the latest approach of building a hand-picked paramilitary force to focus on IS, he said it was doomed. There are too few fighters to take the project seriously. And then uh, he insisted that, that uh, Nusra um, uh, was homegrown anti-Arab force when, in fact, it's an al-Qaeda affiliate whose, ident- uh, whose ideology, I guess, is, is, is exactly the same as IS's. And he, he then just deconstructs everything he's done. And this is the guy who was the ambassador. And when I was in Damascus, he, he, I met him there. He was, he was the ambassador. If we take each of the situations and we are, what we are doing, we let the Houthis run wild in, in Yemen and increasingly taking over um, and consolidating their hold. And we're bombing al-Qaeda rather than bombing IS, uh, bombing the Houthis in, in, in Yemen. So I can't answer with it. You know, the, the comments that we did hear from administration people this week about Israel were really uh, um, uh, not only disturbing. Susan Rice, you mean? Well, Rice, Kerry, others. Oh, John Kerry, right. Uh, John Kerry, yesterday attacking Netanyahu about the war in Iraq. Well, he voted for the war in Iraq. <laughs> right. And, and, and by the way, the height, it just, and, and is that the first time that an Israeli prime minister has been blamed for the war in Iraq? I mean, I don't oh, know. All the time. And if you remember, Sharon argued against the war in Iraq, and, and Israel did not uh, uh, support at that time because they thought Iran was the more important danger. But I, w- I want to just point one thing. You know that there have been stories, headlines. You, you cited some of the current crises, right, that are, right. are going on, these attacks, killings, mass killings. Um, Destruction uh, of artifacts. And, and there was, what is the headline in the Daily Mail or uh, AFP, Agent France, and others, 
They have, they have a video on their sites. They show pictures of flooding in Gaza. And they said in the Daily Mail, said hundreds of Palestinians left homeless because Israel opened the, uh, the dams, the gates of the dams. The AFP, which is a worldwide service, said, you know, shows pictures, Gaza villages flooded after Israel opens the floodgates. There's only one problem. There are no floodgates. There are none. This is complete mythology. And you know that you know when you have heavy rains, as Israel and the whole region had recently, in the Negev you have these flash floods, you have big, uh, you know, these instant rivers created, and there was flooding in Gaza because there was a lot of rain, and they don't put any money in the concrete to use in, in building sewage. They use them to build tunnels again. And here you have, with all the things going on, these are the headlines these media go with, and it's completely a lie. And the Secretary of State is focused on the fact that Bibi supposedly was for the war in Iraq, and, and look what's happened since then. What a mistake it was. And, and he... we have turned over Iraq, essentially, and this is what you hear from Arab leaders, is that, that we've turned over, the West has turned over the keys to Iraq, uh, and you have 100,000 besieges waiting to go in. You have a weak uh, uh, Iraqi army of uh, maybe 40,000 uh, men, but it's, it's the militias and, and the local militias being trained by Iran uh, Shiite militias who are gaining, and they will ultimately take over. And and we look at what, look at Iran. Where where were the the condemnations of this Holocaust denial contest, cartoon contest going on in Iran, in in Iran? Where where is everybody? Uh, uh, and and why shouldn't we draw conclusions that the world is indifferent when it comes to Iran? That somehow Iran is protected from the kind of criticism that the Prime Minister of Australia, a, a good friend, uh, the Foreign Minister of Australia, uh, is go, announces that she's going to, to Tehran now, that the, the, that the reports that they have been coordinating Iran with Al-Qaeda since 2007, we know the names of who, who was doing the uh, Al-Qassam brigades, were the, the uh, liaison in, in this. I mean, it's... It's, it's astonishing when you look at just the blatant facts that have come out. And we visited the IEA in, in Vienna, and when you hear their criticism, these are the guys in charge of, of having to monitor. They're the ones dealing in, the, in Iran daily. And they say, we don't have the resources, we don't have the capability, and it's the unknown. It's the, we know we don't have access to some of the known, but the big danger is what we don't know, meaning they all believe that there are hidden facilities and others because the Iranians always cheat. And yet they get away with it. And now Russia is selling them the OT 2500 air defense system, which is a very advanced system, and taking advantage of this. You know, and, and, and America's poor relations, let's say, with Egypt. So they're selling them a multi-billion dollar deal, which we'll see if, if it actually goes through. But France is also selling Egypt uh, uh, jets because we, we have a freeze on them. And yet on Turkey, we have no freeze on other countries that are working against our interests. Uh, we have no freeze. And, and in Vienna, those were the monitors? Those were the investigators who were saying that? The IEA people, the International Atomic Energy Agency, which is the key agency. And they're the ones who say they don't have the resources to do the full job. They say we don't have the technology and the money and the resources to carry out the ah, that, of, that must of, have been heartening for you. That must have been oh, encouraging. very heartening. Unbelievable. But it was heartening in a sense that they, that, you know, previously when El Baradai was the, the head of it, and you know that. On the show, I criticized him and made some public statements, yep. which really hit him hard when he was running for president. Right. Um, uh, he so corrupted the agency, and Amano 
has really brought it back. That I, I welcome it because at least they're being honest, and it shows that this agency is taking this seriously. Yeah, that's true. Um, the uh, how thankful are you? To the Christians United for Israel, to being one of the only large groups out there to support the speech and encourage the Prime Minister to get the message out. Well, I, I, first of all, as you know, I love Kufi and, and Pastor Hagee. I think he's amazing. They don't do any missionizing. It's pure. He's an amazing guy, and the organization is wonderful. And I'm invited every year, and I give a major address at their conference when you see 5,000 people come from all over the country literally every state and there they come once maybe twice in five years or eight years because they have to save the money to come you know apac people come every year or often they do but you know these are really the salt of the earth the real america and the polls we have show that the american people support the points that netanyahu is asserting meaning that they don't trust iran that they they are very fearful and they even would support and if the facts prove to be so. Military action, which is not something they, uh, that you know, that they generally approve. Right. Do you think BB is going to use the opportunity Tuesday to talk about how much wider the uh, Amalek net is now, and it's not just Jews who are the target, but all these religions, ethnic groups, and it seems any free person in the world they'd like to destroy at this point. All he has to do is quote the Quds commander Soleimani, who talked about the export of the Islamic Revolution throughout the region. And he said from uh, Bahrain to Iraq to Syria to North Africa. That's it. And he, BB has talked about the encircling, you know, that the three sides that Iran is trying to put a presence, Hamas, where they're back in, Mishal is supposed to visit Tehran uh, or this week. Um, then the, the, uh, obviously the, the Hezbollah in, in Lebanon. And on the Golan now, where you have a combination of Assad forces, Hezbollah, and uh, Iran Revolutionary Guard working to try to to take out the um, rebels who are guarding along the Israeli border, Jordanian border. Mm. Initially, they had some successes. They took a couple villages, but it, it, lately, in the last week or so, they've really been repelled, and the the rebels have been holding uh, more uh, more strongly to to uh, the positions. But if you want to show what the fear is, and your point is right, that this is not an Israel issue, it's not a Jewish issue. It's, it's uh, you know, if you ask today, Italy is the most apoplectic country about IS. Why? Because uh, Libya is 300 miles from Sicily. It's nothing. And they know that their people are infiltrating. They know, it, it, you know, it's close to Europe. You have them active in Tripoli and in Benghazi. They, they, they took over some of the... Um, al-Qaeda camps recently, and, you know, when they have twenty to 30,000 troops in Syria and Iraq that they can export, and they have guys from Afghanistan, Algeria, Egypt, Libya, Yemen, uh, Saudi Arabia, all over, and they have presences in, in, in these places. So it is not, and we have to make clear, and people should call uh, congresspeople, and they should write letters to editors and call talk shows and say, look at what we're fighting. This is a global danger, and if you add to it, the nuclear component, then you are unleashing not only an arms race in the Middle East, but you're going to unleash war that will be uncontrollable because it's inevitable that the tensions will rise in Iran, whose clear aspirations for a, uh, a caliphate, by the way, divided with IS, I believe, um, 
you know, until the per, they they think they can take care of them too. Right until until that civil war develops. Right. Um, is this unprecedented in history, or there were other eras of Islamic dominance where everybody else suffered, no matter who they were? Of course, there were periods of his, uh, Islamic dominance, but here you, we're not dealing with Islam. You're dealing with these crazy people, and, and people say it's not all of Islam, which is true. And Muslims are, are as we see, are are the victims too of these vicious beheadings yeah, that's and, true. and that's terrible true. things that they're doing. Right. But you have to realize that, but into the billion and a half Muslims, if one percent are radicalized, talking about hundred million people. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, now that uh, Jihad Johnny has been identified, does it matter? Now that we know who it is, does it matter? Well, in, lo- in view of the uh, successful PA law- lawsuit against the PA and holding them accountable for the deaths in, and between 2002 and 2004 for six of the attacks in Yerushalayim and ten families that brought the lawsuit, which is a very important uh, lawsuit, especially because of the efforts of the authority to go to the International Criminal Court against Israel now, I think they're going to have to rethink it that they very well will be the one in the docket because here's you have a court ruling that ascribes to them responsibility and a, a judgment of $218 million, which under the U.S. terrorism law is tripled. So it's over $600 million judgment against them. They'll appeal, uh, whatever, but, um, but it's an important message that, you know, you're going to be held to account and, uh, I think it's it's a very significant uh, declaration by the court. I assume it costs a lot of money to post that uh, to to go ahead and prosecute that case, especially over all those years. I would assume you you would say it's money well spent. Not only well money well spent. Some of it is done pro bono. Some is done by an organization by organization and Nita Leitzner and others. But they had an American attorney who who took the case and. Uh, I don't know if they, what the financial arrangement is, but it's it's a very important statement because it it puts the responsibility where it belongs, and the you know the federal court is saying to, that Arafat in this case and Abbas subsequently right. can be held to account. For yeah, my point being, a lot of people would say, "Why are you wasting your time?" You would argue it's no waste of time at all. It's an important symbolic thing, and it's an important practical thing. Exactly. Um, the uh, the three in Brooklyn. Uh, so we heard about their arrest. They wanted to become part of ISIS. If not, they, at the minimum, they wanted to carry out terrorist attacks here. If not, that didn't work. They were thinking of assassinating the President of the United States. Now they've been arrested, of course. What can be done to stem the tide of ISIS recruitment acceleration in the U.S.? We see what's happened in the Middle East, in Africa. You've described in Europe how people are running uh, to join uh, you know, to a degree, we don't want it happening here, but now it looks like we're on that road. Is there anything that can be done to uh, stem the tide? Look, I think that, yes, I do think there are things that can be done. I do think a lot is being done. I think NYPD is amongst those who are, are doing a lot. The FBI is certainly looking at it. In England, uh, MI5 spends half of its time, half of its resources on the foreign fighters and guys and recruitment. Because some of this is, is being done on the Internet, it means that you have to monitor this constantly. And, re, and they were following these three since, I think, September. Wow. And, you know, you have to make a case. And also you want to obviously get whatever information there is. And it can start off rather simply, I mean, and, and be appear innocent. Uh, and, and you can't always tell when somebody books a ticket to Turkey that this is the beginning of a, of a journey into terrorism and, and killing in Syria. 
So part of the onus falls on Turkey, and we have to make much greater demands that they control the border, that they stop the infiltration. It's not uh, sealable 100%, but they certainly could do a much better job than they are. And they themselves entered Syria, if you know, this week to take out the remains of uh, a significant figure to them and uh, people living in the compound. And they obviously coordinated with uh, with the Syrians, with the IS, with everybody, because nobody sh- sh- fired a shot with this column of 500 uh, people going into into Syria. Um, uh, um, what was the question? <laughs> I was asking. So much, I, so I was asking if there's a way to stem this tide. We don't oh. want to. We don't want to see so accelerated is, recruitment. Yes, we have to hold to account, and this is where the Muslim community in America has to play a greater role. Where schools, either public or private schools, that can identify when they see kids beginning to fall, and, and there are patterns for this behavior, like there are for drugs, like there are for other things. Uh, there has to be much greater leeway given to the to law enforcement to be able to monitor. I know it's intrusive. I know that there are all sorts of concerns about rights, which I agree with. But the, the this is life and death situations, and and the recruitment is growing and mounting all over. And no and no longer do they have to go abroad. They're being told stay in your countries, train on the internet, and carry out attacks. So we have a responsibility here now, I think, to put things into the proper context and. To look at where we are, what is happening, and and to take whatever steps are necessary to root out those responsible. And there have to be really strong prison sentences, prosecutions against those not only who who the kids who were young, those men who were involved. And everybody says you know loan operatives, loan operatives. They're never ever just loan operatives, or very rarely. They're, they're always tied to some recruitment, some imam, some experience in prison, something. That we have to go after those who aid and abet them, those who inspire them, those who, who are engaged in incitement. Until we root out them and countries like Qatar and Turkey that are aiding and abetting these groups, until we stop them and we make isolate them and punish them, this will continue. Washington's going to be sending uh, Susan Rice, among others, to uh, APAC. The APAC conference starts on Sunday. Do you find that funny after her comments this week? Oh, no, there's nothing funny about what's been going on, but I, I, I find it ironic, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Samantha Power will be going, and she has been very good at the UN. But the um, we'll see the message. You know, it's, it, 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 there was a long debate about even the administration not sending anyone, which I did not believe would be the case. And now they're sending uh, both of them. Uh, we'll see what the, their messages are. Obviously, uh, Samantha Powers uh, has a strong case to make for her efforts at the UN on anti-Semitism, on um, against the the resolution at Security Council, and that's part of the things that we shouldn't forget. Is that while all the focus is on the tensions between it on a day-to-day basis, there are amazing things going on between Israel on a military level, intelligence level with the U.S. Um, on, on so many other areas. And and we shouldn't lose sight of it. And those who say, you know, go to war and all out the campaign, have to think about how important this relationship is and that we can't afford, you know, to, to sever it or to, to put everything on the line. And you can assure that, us that none of that has stopped. It's all the it, same it, level of cooperation. Well, I'm not going to say nothing has stopped. I'm saying to you that those things have not stopped. Whether the exchange of information is of the same quality or quantity, I, I, I don't know. I spoke to people in Israel about it. I've spoken to people here about it. There are some who, who, well, you saw the statements, they say, well, we're continuing consultations, but they're not saying 
in fact, have said that they're not giving him all the information on Iran, but clearly uh, Netanyahu, the government, have, have seem to have other sources um, by which they're, they're getting the information. And I'll tell you, I think the Arabs are, are just chomping at the bit, waiting for Israel to take the lead, somebody to take the lead on, on this issue. They've told me it. And the, the, um, their concern about where this negotiations, many of them have thrown up their hands. They believe that it's, you know, that there's a cooked deal already. I don't know if that's the case, and we'll see, you know, very soon. So speculation isn't what's helpful. What's helpful here is to get the message out. I think Congress has to be part of the process. And I think that, um, the idea that you can trust the Iranians in any way, if there isn't total transparency, if there isn't total control, and this idea of a 10-year you know, threshold, and then they can start increasing, which means that during these years they will do all the preparations, they will move ahead, they will have clandestine operations, but most of all it will declare them a threshold nuclear state, and every other country will begin, and are already beginning, to negotiate to get nuclear power as well. How long till we know details of the deal? Within a month, we'll know or not. Well, we'll see if there is a deal, and if uh, if the deal is what people in Europe told us, and what uh, we see from, we'll hear what uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has to say about it. Um, we'll know a lot more by the time we talk, God willing, next week. I don't know, but you know, it, and it can't be looked at in in narrow terms. Again, it's not just about Israel. It's not. Uh, about Jews alone, the fact that they threatened to destroy us, and all of the other messages that are, you know, reminiscent of periods of the past. It's that this is a global danger with people who have a long history of lying in negotiations, of dissembling, and that people who are really expert in this and neutral in the circumstances are, are as skeptical as anyone could be. And any efforts then, you know, when Egypt tried to bomb, uh, bombed in Libya, after the killing of the 21 Christian Egyptians in the Coptic Egyptians in uh, in Benghazi, you know they were criticized. So they said, "Okay, put a UN force there. Let's do it. Make it an international force and they, and, and bomb them, and we punish them then for for taking this action, mm-hmm. which was certainly warranted, given the terrible thing that that took place there. And and I think we're dumbing down all the values. The, the the international community is sending a message to the terrorists that we're weak. We can be overrun. We can uh, we can cooperate. We will turn over countries as we see our is happening. Borders are disappearing. And now I'm telling you, the Sudan will be next. It will be added to the list at Khamenei of the four Arab capitals. That this will be another one, and it will be. It could be. It could be the next. Think of what that means. They've encircled the Middle East, not just Israel. All those Arab countries, I don't know if all is the right word, would like to see the United States take a leadership role and destroy ISIS. They would like to see the United States, the West, not just the United States, but the West, stand up to Iran, stand up to Turkey, stand up to those who are inciting. Why are we still inviting Qatar? Why were Muslim Brotherhood members invited to the State Department and White House? What messages is send? to the Egyptians. I can tell you what they told me and, and how angry they were. But why are we sending messages that the Muslim Brotherhood is acceptable, that they should be invited into the, into the State Department White House, some of them who are facing criminal charges in, in Egypt? We're just sending wrong signals all the time. It's unbelievable. And whether there's a policy behind it or not, I can't tell. And, and I, I don't want to ascribe you know, some of these uh, wild theories about uh, why, why they're doing but they're painting a picture that certainly is discouraging and quite the opposite, driving um, 
some of our traditional allies to Russia, to others, and and to desperation. And I find that the irony of history, that on this Erev Shabbos Zohar this year, we find ourselves with hundreds of million, if not over a billion people, in the same boat as we are, trying to... It's not a billion, it's the world. Africa today, any African leader will tell you about their fears. Look what's happening in Nigeria. And from Nigeria, they're now going into Niger, Chad, uh, other countries. It's not just it's not just the Middle East, and it's not just Europe, which is in danger today. And we didn't even talk about the anti-Semitism there. We'll do it another time. But you can take country by country and look at at the expansion. And when the Iranians say we have a chokehold on on you guys, in, in we control the Straits of Hormuz, and now with the Houthis, they control Baba Mandab, which is all the shipping from the Suez Canal, Red Sea, that's the the um, into the Persian Gulf and into the Indian Ocean. They, they will tell you how that their, their outreach now is to the coast of the United States and their operatives, the new weapons that they're developing. You know, none, none of their ballistic missile development is covered by the agreements, nor is their weaponization, nor is their research and development. So we're, we're painting a picture here that, that uh, certainly will affect generations. It's not a, a question just of, of an immediate danger. This is a danger that will expand and will grow over the years because they have a clear vision. They know what they want. They declared it. They said they want to build the caliphate. We just have to listen to what they're saying. You mentioned that anti-Semitism in Europe. Did you see which college campus in the United States had the, was the number one on the list of most anti-Semitism in this country? Columbia University was Columbia, number one. Yeah. Well, anti-Israel and anti-Semitic. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I met students uh, when we were traveling, but it turned out they were American students. And, and they did a, this uh, study of them, uh, and the vast majority, uh, in fact, in one group of 150, every one of them, said that they personally witnessed or experienced anti-Semitism on campus. Yeah. Show the speech Tuesday. Right now it's scheduled for 11 a.m. Tuesday from Washington. Show the speech to all of our children, to all of our teenagers, to every adult in the community. Make sure you hear the message of the Prime Minister and support the fact that he's speaking to the world from that podium in Washington, D.C. Malcolm, happy Purim, a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. And remember, everybody, Misha Nichnas Adar, we are going to be victorious. We will win. We have, as you said, many allies and many others. It's not just about the Jews. We've come overcome Persians and, and Iranians in the past. As we saw, note this week, we'll overcome these. Amen to that. Thank you very much. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So look at it in the context of Jewish history, everybody, especially this week. Look at it in the context of Jewish history. And uh, we will certainly... We will certainly overcome this, just like our ancestors overcame with the help of God so many obstacles and enemies in the past. J.M. and the A.M., uh, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Titzaveh. In addition to Pasha's Tetzaveh, which according to the Chinuch contains seven mitzvot, four positive and three restrictions, this Shabbos we take out a second Sefer Torah and we read the second of the four parshios, namely Pasha's Zohar. Pasha's Zohar, according to 
most authorities is considered a biblical obligation to read from a Sefer Torah. Namely, it's important to know that the Kriyas HaTorah this Shabbos, that of Parshas Tetzaveh, and for that matter, most every Shabbos, the reading of the Torah is a rabbinic mitzvah. However, the reading of Parshas Zohar, which comes from the last three psukim of Parshas Kiseitse, this is considered a biblical mitzvah to remember what Amalek did to the Jewish people. Now, it is read, Parsha Zohar, every year on the Shabbos before Purim, because as we read in the Megillah, Haman, Ha'agogi, Haman, a descendant of Amalek, and therefore, before we read about the story and the intention of Haman, to God forbid, annihilate the Jewish people, we have Parsha Zohar reminding us of this biblical obligation. Quickly, the three psukim at the end of Kitzetze tell us to remember what Amalek did to us when we were leaving Mitzrayim. When did Amalek attack us? After the splitting of the Red Sea, which took place one week after we left Egypt, prior to our receiving the Torah. So somewhere after the first week, before the seventh week that we left Egypt, that was the time when Amalek attacked us. Now, that's the first puzzle. Remember what Amalek did to you. Asher Korcho Baderech, who chanced upon you in on the way, and he attacked you from behind, namely the stragglers, the weak ones, the Oyev Viogeya, you the Jewish people, were faint and exhausted, and he Amalek Veloyore Elokim. Amalek did not fear God. Therefore, the Torah mandates, and it shall be, when God gives you rest from all your enemies around, in the land that Hashem, your God, gives you as an inheritance to possess it, you shall you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heavens, lo tishkach, you shall not forget. The necessity for the Torah to say both, remember and not to forget, leads our rabbis <coughs> to understand zochor bapeh, it's not enough to remember with one's mind, but rather what is to articulate, literally with one's mouth, lo tishkach, what is not to forget, balev, in their heart. I will return in a few moments to Pasha Zohar. I'd like to connect it, however, to one of the mitzvos found in 
Pashas Tetzaveh. The first part of Pashas Tetzaveh, and indeed, the first 43 Sukim of Pashas Tetzaveh, chapter 28 in the Chumash of the book of Shmos, deals with the Big Day Kahuna, the special garments that the Kohen wore in the Beis HaMikdash. The regular Kohen wore four garments, and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, wore an additional four garments for a total of eight. Now, I'd like to focus for a moment on the 100th mitzvah in the Torah as following the count of the Sefer HaChinuch. And that mitzvah is Shloizach HaChoshen Me'al Ho'efod. Literally, that the breastplate which had on it the 12 stones reflecting the stone of each tribe should not come loose from the aphod, the apron worn by the Kohen Gadol. Now, this is a rather challenging mitzvah. It affected one man when we had a Beis HaMikdash, and this is counted as one of the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah. The Torah does not tell us why. So the Chinuch goes with the idea that it's to remind us of the state of perfection, that everything had to be in the Beis HaMikdash, and no aesthetic excellence should be lacking in any of the objects. And therefore, forgive me, it appears that just as if someone was getting dressed for a special occasion, and his tie was not on straight. So, fix the tie. Here too, rather than the breastplate should be bouncing around on the chest of the Kohen Gadol, the Torah says, make sure that it is fastened properly to the aphod, the apron of the Kohen Gadol. Rav Moshe Feinstein Zichetzadik the Kadosh Levracha, whose 29th yard site we observe this forthcoming week on Tanis Esther, says in his understanding of this mitzvah, in his Dorash Moshe, something very interesting. He cites from the Gemara in Zavachim, Peiches Amidbeiz, 88b, the Gemara teaches us that each of the garments of the Kohen Gadol atoned for a different sin. And therefore, the Choshen, the breastplate, atoned for Dinim, Mu'uvas Hadin, Rashi in our parsha Kilkil Hadin, miscarriages of justice. And the eightfold the apron al avodas kochavim for the sin of idolatry. Ramosha goes on to explain that the root of idolatry is lack of emuna 
which is lack of proper belief in Hashem, and the sin of Ivus Hamishpat, or Kilkul Hadin, the miscarriage of justice, is not only for a Dayan, a judge, but any individual who is dishonest in business, rationalizing for himself all kinds of reasons why this would be, quote, permissible. So, really, what is at the root of Ivus Hadin? What is at the root of a person not following the law? The root of this is a lack of belief. If one believed that God is properly in control, and God gives each man what he needs and what's coming to him, one would not lie and cheat and do these kind of negative things to the next one. Now, fascinating, I'd like to connect this with Pasha Zohar. How so? The Torah says, you remember, in the second verse of Zohar, that Amalek was lo yorei elokim. That Amalek literally did not fear God. Now, I believe we have the right to ask, my goodness, did Amalek go to the yeshiva? That in which case we can say, aha, he had every reason for not being God-fearing. Why does the Torah expect this of Amalek and hold him literally accountable, responsible for his not fearing God? So, interestingly, I saw a very nice idea that explains this lack of Yireh Elohim, not his not fearing God. And that is the term Yiras Elohim is found four times in the Torah. The first time is found in Bereshis chapter 20, Pasuk 11, when Avraham tells Avimelech that Sarah is his wife, Sarai at the time, excuse me, that she is his sister and not his wife. So Avimelech says, why? Why did you lie to me? And Avram says, Ki rak en yiras elukim I thought, and I said to myself, there is no fear of God in this place, and therefore v'haraguni alvarishti, were I to tell you the truth, you would have killed me and taken my wife. The second time that we find this is Yosef. The viceroy in Egypt, in chapter 42, Pasuk 18, he holds Shimon behind. He sends the brothers back, and he sends them back with provisions. And he says to them, Zos asu this is what you shall do and live, meaning to bring back down Binyamin. I fear God. Interesting that Yosef uses this line, fearing God. The third time is the midwives in Egypt, in Shmos, chapter 1, verse 17. They disobey Paro's orders. They don't listen to Paro. Why? 
They feared God. And the fourth time is Amalek, who the Torah condemns and says that Interesting. If you think about it, the three, or really all four of these situations are addressed to non-Jews. Watch. Avram says that I would expect better, and I see that there is no fear of God in your community. What does that mean? That there is no care and proper concern for the weak and the stranger. In other words, God gives man an innate awareness of the dignity of man, and therefore we are to act in accordance with each and every person that way. And so, even Avimelech was to conduct himself that way. Yosef didn't want to give himself away to his brothers at this point. That doesn't happen until Pasha's Vayigash. And so, Yosef is able to say, because I am sensitive to you who are strangers, and therefore I act in a certain proper way towards you. And so too the Mialdos, the midwives, they conducted themselves with fear of God and did not kill the baby boys of the strangers in Egypt. And finally, Amalek who attacks the defenseless, those who are weak, right? This is, unfortunately, an exhibition of the lack of Yiras Elokim. And so, Rav Salavechik Zechitzadik Levracha pointed out in the name of his father, Rav Moshe Salavechik, that Amalek today is not necessarily an ethnic group, but rather any nation that has as its raison d'etre to, God forbid, destroy the Jewish people, that is Amalek. And so ISIS and Iran are a modern-day Amalek. But more than that, their distortion of Yiras Elokim, their distortion of the fear of God, turns, unfortunately, into a greater evil sadin, into a greater evil, which is their manner of operation, unfortunately, their wickedness. And that's why, perhaps, interestingly, there is a mitzvah on Purim that we're going to, please God, celebrate next Thursday of Matanos Le'evyonim, giving gifts to the poor. Because we fulfill Mechias Amalek, we fulfill a defeating of the philosophical level of Amalek by our helping the weak, by our helping the depressed, by our helping the impoverished. Just the opposite of a Amalek who took advantage of them. And so Parshas Zohar is to be understood on the literal sense
we are to harbor enmity against Amalek and on another level as well our understanding that unfortunately a lack of Yiras Elohim which is Amalek is guilty of as the Torah charges against them is really going against the very innate nature of man to extend dignity to one another and this behooves us that we are to adopt this very positive way of life towards all. Shabbat Shalom to all.
in the AM. Mordechai ben David on this Erev Shabbos Zorcha with Timcha Zecher Amalek. Don't forget, we have amazing programming all through the weekend, including Matis on Sunday morning between 7 and 9 on JM Sunday. Dr. Robert Kuhl from the Coin Department of Israel Antiquities Department will discuss the recent discovery of the largest cache of coins ever discovered in Israel, 2,000 coins dating back 1,000 years. He's Matis' guest this coming Sunday. On JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Naomi Nachman is next with a brand new edition of Table for Two. Some great guests, as we outlined earlier. And the video, the actual video of her show, is uploaded already. It is on the homepage at NachumSiegel.com, so you can watch all the proceedings with Naomi Nachman and her amazing show. Uh, that comes up next on jmnam.org. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys on this Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 525. Journeys, it's time to say good Shabbos at JM in the AM.
brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. Wraps up an amazing week here at JM and the AM. Coming up next week, Wednesday is Tanis Esther, Thursday is Purim, and Friday is Shushan Purim. Tuesday, the speech of the Prime Minister to the Joint Session of Congress. Hashtag show the speech as we're encouraging all schools and yeshivas out there to show it at 11 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Tuesday. More about that Monday morning here at JM in the AM. Enjoy our great programming all through the weekend today with the amazing Arab Shabbos music mix after Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. Tomorrow night, of course, Matis on JM Sunday and Elliot Weiselberg with the Court Report Yeshiva League a massive update 7 o'clock on Sunday night at jmandam.org. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend till tomorrow, until Monday. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.